system. I find you in the shows and moving a great and being enough. The scientist comes everywhere you go. Yeah. You have to help me with that one. I, That's the Sunday Sunday Night Football theme song. Oh, Carrie Underwood, brand, yeah. very on brand. Uh, which I interrupted, so I apologize at the beginning. We've gotten some qualitative feedback that the the uh, tens of thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of uh, listeners uh, want to maintain the theme song. So I need uh-huh. to make sure that I come up with a, a design system for our theme songs. You say tens of thousands. I say tens of ones, probably somewhere in the middle. It's uh, it, it is reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I feel like we haven't uh, gotten to record in, in a while. So I'm very excited to uh, talk to you, PJ. Yeah, it's been a hot minute, so um, I'm excited as well. Yeah, this this one is a fun one. So uh, uh, obscuring obscuring names, uh, but we we gotten a listener question uh, that I think is very top of mind for for folks. Uh, we've um, have a listener that is a, a design system team of one, uh, and that that in itself has been a, a topic around the community. So design system team of one as a person that had just transferred and transitioned into a product design position from front-end engineering, full-stack engineering. And uh, they feel that as a team of one, starting and leading the design system, there is a lack of support. And there's um, an issue with keeping up with uh, requests and evolving the system. So that's uh, one thing that we're going to talk about. And then the second part of this is uh, just the, the emotional part of this, like feeling that they're not being able to uh, do the best that they can and showcase uh, their work. And then also as a uh, new person that is transitioned into design, how do they build a, a case study of, of this new work so they could continue to pursue uh, product design or design system uh, maintainership, maintenance, design systemery? That is it, design systemery. That's a new verb. New verb, yeah. So design system team of one, I, I feel like a lot of us had started that at Disney, uh, even though we had gotten buy-in, I was the one that was trying to knock down the door and uh, create my own role. And I think uh, to this person's you know accomplishment, I think that's a big deal to be able to create create your own role and create the business need to uh, get started. I feel like that's the, the hardest part uh, and being able to transition to that role now. The hardest part about this is uh, being able to stand this up uh, on your relatively on your own. Uh, so I would say uh, one of the things that I think I, I leveraged was uh, trying to stick myself under uh, design operation. So if you don't have that specific practice uh, at, at your company, I would say try to uh, align with the program manager, whether that's a design program manager or a, a technical program manager on the engineering side, and really understand the um, delivery mechanisms and how you could help accelerate folks uh, getting work done. I thought that was uh, very helpful. Um, do you remember uh, how it was for you when you were working, um, at least at Disney Streaming, when you were a team of one supporting design system? Yeah, it was fun, uh, by which I mean it was bonkers. The advice I typically give 
is the primary goal for a design system team of one should to become a design system team of two. And then likely the primary objective after that is to become a design system team of three. Um, and so that doesn't mean that all you're doing is selling that there are many different ways to reach that goal. Sometimes that's showing progress. Sometimes that's aligning with leadership. Sometimes that's building relationships at the IC level. A lot of times it's a combination of those, but the likelihood that one person design system team being sustainable is pretty low. If it is sustainable, there's a good chance that there it's worth questioning whether it's worth that even existing to begin with. Um, cause we're, you know, typically you're, you're talking about economies of scale. And so you, you, that's when the real value starts to ramp up. So that, w- that continues to be my advice is that everything you do should be through the lens of making sure you're growing the team. Yeah. I, I remember last year, uh, I guess it was, uh, over a year and a half ago when I was interviewing, I remember you, you had given me advice to, uh, as, as a word of caution. So if I were to join a team that was trying to stand up a design system and I was the sole designer, really try to figure out what that runway was going to look like and what that what the next six to 12 months would look like. Was it was there going to be a higher if things went well or um, how how was the team uh, planning to grow? Because I, I think long term, the you you want to like like PJ said, you want to get to two or at least one and a half as as quick as possible. And I think the interesting part that I that I was really wanted to dig into for you, PJ, is like you are that design technologist <laughs> itself. So you were uh, on on the design system wham. You were doing both design and you know development. So it's. I almost feel like from someone coming from the design technology portion that can take something end to end resourcing point of view, it may seem a little difficult to get design resources or get engineering resources because you're full of doing everything like that's yeah, that's the double edged sword, right? You're able to you're able to remain unblocked and show progress, but at the same time, you're showing progress. To which leadership says, well, why do you need people? You're doing it. You're, it's already happening. We got all these other fires where they're, they're blocked. You're not blocked. You're doing it right now. So that is the risk associated with it is that you can show progress, but that might theoretically work against you if you're not pitching it in the right way, if you're not framing it in the right way throughout the process. Yeah. The, the last episode, I believe that we're going to be releasing uh, before this one is about uh, constraints and uh, really trying to scope work down. So one of the things that um, typically I would say if you're a team of maybe two or, or more is to try to take on one and a half initiatives. I think in the case of a team of one, uh, scope that down to possibly uh, trying to find the most impactful pattern component uh, feature that you could impact. And maybe that's uh I think in our case now at Meta, we're going through a rebrand. So we find different partners and we try to up-level them and accelerate them. So I would say find a designer that is designer engineer for a feature uh, that needs help uh, to up-level and has an interest in systems thinking and partner with them, pair with them and 
assuming that this person will be helping you uh, part time, I think you could uh, utilize them to build knowledge on the product area. Uh, you'd be able to help uh, write uh, product uh, specs with them, possibly write documentation with them. And hopefully at the end of the day, after uh, this partnership, you have a uh, not a lifelong partnership with this person, but maybe, you know, maybe you have a, a solid relationship to continue to pair with this uh, designer or engineer. Yeah, I think, you know, really using those use cases, leveraging them to essentially make the case for what could be possible with more uh, and also not trying to overdo what's reasonable. You know, again, showing too much progress can work against you because you're proving that you don't need more resources if you're if you're meeting all the demands on your own and you're killing yourself, which neither are good. So so really working at a sustained pace, slow and steady wins the race, um, and trying to make the larger narrative to leadership of what's necessary to meet the demands of every other, every other team. And, you know, to be honest with you, a little bit of jealousy here where you support one team and other teams don't get the same level of support uh, can work because, you know, if they start chirping and saying, hey, we need help too, hey, we'd love to help you. But we just we need, you know, for the low, low price of, you know, X number of, of headcount, we can support your team and every other team. Yeah, there's this notion of vertical design support. So you support one team or horizontal design support. Like what if you're uh, a small team, uh, you may not be able to go horizontal uh, completely uh like from the jump. So possibly like something that I, I've always uh, been interested in that, but I haven't seen yet is a design system rotational program. So you jump from uh, working with the team. Uh, I think PJ and I have been in our, in our heads and in our companies uh, planned works in uh, six month increments. So it could be six months, it could be a quarter, but working with the team and sprinting with them for a quarter. Uh, trying to elevate them. And then after that, really trying to tee up who else is interested and in need of help. And I, I believe that that is a good way to not only um, impact the the entirety uh, of the uh, design org, but really then build the knowledge of more complex uh, product design problems across the, across the company. I, I, I agree. And, you know, to get, to get tricky here, if you can find a way to, generate demand. So maybe you're supporting a critical part of the company, but not the most critical part of the company. Uh, and say, hey, well, you know, we could support this, the most critical part of the company if we have XYZ headcount. Really continually trying to to find a way to turn demand into investment and to and to make that demand not just coming from your team which to be honest is heavily biased and every team's asking for head count everyone's asking for hand, for their hands out uh, try to make it so that other teams are ha- have their hands out for you as well towards not just coming from you so there's there's just tricky psychological efforts that you can try to play where you're not duping people you're not being uh deceitful but you are trying to emphasize the need for the team through how you work and who you work with and when you work with them. Yeah. I think one of the things that your design leadership or product leadership may be asking is like, if you were to have one more person 
for X amount of time? Like, what else can you accomplish? So I, I would set out uh, a, a vision. And a, even if you're just one person doing this, a, a roadmap of what you intend to do for the next six months, what you intend to do for the month seven, seven through 12, and what you might do with either one full-time designer, or maybe uh, I, it's, it might be more likely that you might get a contractor that might be helping you. So what can you get done and with a contractor for three months or six months. That's pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. That should be that another piece of advice is you should, you should be able to speak to that with, you know, in your sleep. Uh, you don't know when that opportunity is going to come up. Um, if you're working in the office, you may run into someone on the elevator. Uh, it is, it is a, it is an effort in and of itself to articulate that clearly uh, with a level of urgency and value so, uh, as mentioned, number one priority is building up the team. So, so being really strong and articulate about making that case is going to be, uh, incredibly important and being unafraid to make that case to whomever you need to, to try to, to try to get progress. Yeah. The, the note about keeping up with the quest is an interesting one because I think that's a, that's a good problem. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of pressure when you're the the team of one with, with this. But I think if you're able to uh, scope scope this, uh, be able to uh, provide time estimates for how much uh, these things take, and, and work on things in, in a um, I guess reasonable cadence within your forty hour work week, I think you could promise that oh this uh, this team uh, that just uh, came up that may not be top of the queue, I'll be able to pair with you uh, next month in November or whatever. And I, I think that uh, not only builds uh, builds trust, but then it also gets folks excited. Uh, then you could also start uh, gathering background information to really understand what their um, product design problems may be. And as a new uh, product designer, I would tend to leverage uh, the partnerships of product design uh, a little more heavily and really try to understand how they work with uh, product management. I know from a design system maintainer or a design system designer point of view, we may not be working with product managers day to day. So we're working with uh, designers as our, you know, like our, our design BFF and we want to be able to understand uh, what their uh, design challenges are, what they're trying to solve. And then, how you could help them iterate and explore as much as they can. And as much as you can try to frame demand and not being able to keep up with it, not as pressure, but as a golden opportunity to sell the fact that you need to grow, um, I'd encourage you to do so. If you meet everyone's demand, you're creating no incentive to give you more funding, <laughs> which is unfortunate, right? But but also you have to take care of yourself personally as well. And if it's taking 60 hours to do that, it's benefiting no one in that case. And so I'm not saying sit on your hands and not do anything and generate false demand. Uh, not at all. What I'm saying is uh, if demand exceeds your ability to, to execute, do not try to meet that. I would, argue, I, would, I would make the case to not try to meet that demand by spending extra time, but rather communicate the bandwidth, um, lack of bandwidth and inability to meet those needs. And, and what are the business outcomes uh, the better business outcomes that will be achieved uh, if you have the, the the staffing to meet those needs. Yeah, very strong 
maybe not for product designers specifically, because I see <laughs> I see this as something that's like a a pet peeve of product designers. But for folks that work on design systems, I think a very big skill is the ability to uh, understand uh, how long things take, uh, scoping and resourcing, and how to plan plan ahead for the next things that that you're working for. I think that's a, a simple way to do it. And uh, being able to communicate that, uh, being able to communicate uh, in a transparent fashion what you're working on uh, right now, uh, where you are in the process, uh, what successes and what uh, pitfalls you might have. I think that's uh, sort of like the the name of the game in terms of gaining trust and uh, maintaining visibility for people uh, working with the design system. Mm-hmm. And the corporate the corporate love language is money. That is that is the currency, literally, <laughs> figuratively and literally, that corporate America works through. So, so while it's never a bad idea to be able to articulate the the design value of design systems or the user experience value of design systems, I think it's it's incredibly important to equate how these changes improve the bottom line, and if, from an efficiency perspective, but also from a user experience perspective. You know, improved engagement, improved conversions, um, all the all the the key metrics that your company's uh, aiming towards. You should know those inside and out, and be able to map those those company goals and those KPIs to um, to the value of your design system. So it may not necessarily be designers' first language, um, but I think it's going to have a huge impact to getting you the funding that you need to do the best work possible. Yeah. The uh, second part of this that I wanted to talk about is, uh, and, and I think this is great because uh, PJ's here, uh, is uh, how to really sell yourself as a, uh, a you know, early stage uh, designer that has transitioned from engineering. And uh, I could only speak from the design portion of this. So if, if I were a early stage or early career designer, that is, uh, looking to build case studies, whether they're looking for work right now or, or not, would be to to lean on the the people portion of this. So the building components is great. Uh, that that is a very good tactile skill. Uh, being able to talk about how you're supporting people, how you're uh, embracing cross functional uh, relationships. I think the the cross functional XFN portion is the the money maker here. I, I believe, uh, especially if you do have design front end expertise. Don't lose sight of the fact that you have a unique skill in the marketplace that can be hard to make a case within hyper-functional specific orgs, um, but you're able to do things that other that other people aren't able to do, and that in and of itself is marketable. Filling in those gaps, uh, you know, making those seams less seamy whatever that word is, uh, those are, those are incredibly valuable. And I think finding ways to articulate that showing use cases where you're able to solve problems that wouldn't necessarily be in the wheelhouse of design or engineering. Things that typically show up in that are motion design, uh, specifically like algorithmic motion design, prototyping, anything creative technology, we're using code to generate visuals dynamically, uh, dynamic interactions; those are the things that will get your foot in the door. They're novel; they're not necessarily at the ho- top of the heap in terms of priorities. But if if you can differentiate differentiate yourself, get your foot in the door, then you're going to be able to to take on 
taking all, all the, th- all the typical day-to-day work that a designer would do. You just need to get your foot in the door and I will not sugarcoat it. It can be incredibly hard to get your foot in the door because designers are going to be, are going to be interviewing you and betting you on purely design related elements of, of day-to-day work and engineers are going to be doing the same thing, right? So they're, they are basically kneecapping your ability through how they interview you because you're not an engineer, you're not a designer, you're a little bit of both. So, so finding ways to differentiate and saying, yeah, I can't do the thing that you do, but I can do something no one else can do in either org. So that's going to be an important, uh, skill to really ramp up and, and showcase. Yeah. I would also, uh, continue to see if there's, uh, the design technology is very interesting. So design technologists, UX engineer, prototyper, all those terms, I think, uh, continuing to look for those. Cause I think that those are becoming more prevalent now, like even though, uh, design systems is new, right? Like the design systems is new as a practice and hiring for is still somewhat new. Uh, but these are roles that are roles that are popping up. And I, I think that for this job or maybe for the next job, leaning on that specific piece of expertise and then, Maybe if you feel like uh, culturally there's more room for growth at the next company, then you could uh, make a harder pivot into product design. Agreed. Find a way to get the foot in the door. That's typically the hardest thing. And then uh, at least my experience has been that a lot of the day-to-day work is not, it's just, it's just the work, right? It's not super design intense. It's just, it's just the work to get the stuff done. And so it's not, uh, the fil- the biggest filter is the hiring process, but the actual day-to-day work is like, Hey, we just got to get this thing done. Can you do it? Yes. Great. Okay. Thank you. Um, and it's, it's not really fair, uh, if you ask me, but, but, you know, I would just lean into that reality and find a way to get the foot in the door. Yeah. The, I think the biggest, uh, takeaway from knowing that there's a design technologist is that's looking for that is interested in design is that they have a better understanding of constraints on both sides. So while I don't understand, uh, engineering and react a hundred percent, in fact, on a previous podcast that I may have edited, I had, uh, conflated props and functions. Uh, I'm a designer. Props, functions. A, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's kind of something the same thing. Peanuts, peanuts, cashews, they're the same thing, right? <laughs> sure. They're both nuts. Yeah. Uh, but I'm de- but I'm developing an understanding. And uh I, I don't think that my job needs me to understand this a hundred percent, but they need me to understand where uh the the line is and how far i could push it and what what the constraints are and then also being able to empathize with my engineering partners i think more than anything we need people that want to learn you're not not gonna have you're not gonna know everything no one does about anything but someone that's willing to put their foot out there and try to learn that is extremely valuable and and you know shockingly rare to be honest with you. So, um, so kudos to you, Davey. Trying as long as the company will support it and there's YouTube out there that will, uh, uh, teach me, but then also keep me up at night with the distinction between peanuts and cashews, you know, (laughs) they're nuts, right? They're, it's complicated. It's complicated. 
they're not nuts. That's the, that's the thing that's going to like drives me nuts is that peanuts are not nuts. (laughs) Why do we call them peanuts when they're not nuts? Uh, it just, nothing makes sense. (laughs) Is a token a variable (laughs) that I will never not be annoyed by that. Hey, let's take this thing that we've called the like variables since the dawn of, of computer science. And we're just going to call them, we're going to call them design tokens. There's probably a better reason I am. I am oversimplifying it. There's probably a strong case, but, um, but from an outside perspective, it does make me laugh because I would say that they're variables. They, they are. Yeah. And I guess, guess what design app had it first? Uh, I don't know. Starts with the, uh, starts with the diamond in the name. Starts with a diamond sketch, sketch, sketch had variables. Oh, I was like, what design tool starts with diamond? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Shane and company. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this was a great listener question. I, I would encourage anyone that has any questions, DM us on Twitter or LinkedIn, and then we'll keep you anonymous. And we love this sort of engagement because we, we'd love to see what uh, folks love us to talk or stumble upon talk about peanuts and cashews that's uh totally on the table well thank you so much pj uh hope uh, you have a great thursday thanks